Amen, amen. Wonderful time of worship. Are you right there? <laughs> there we go. God's good? God's people in the house? God's people online? If you're online, give us a shout. Can't hear you. Uh, I'm going to jump into God's Word this morning because I, I know that's where I find help and I find strength. And we know ultimately the Word of God is Christ himself. And as we're nearing Christmas, you know, we're thinking about Christ and how he came as a baby. But we're also thinking about how Christ uh, is coming back and he's coming for his own. And uh, the, the job that he began in restoring and reconciling us uh, is, is going to be completed In a sense, you know, we are right with God right now because of what Christ has done. And um, we know that one day we will be uh, caught up with him and uh, we will be transformed, the scripture says, in a twinkling of an eye. And uh, we, we know and we look forward to that and we know what God is doing in our lives. And in the meantime, we want to bring a bit of heaven to earth. Um, you know, if you're going through some hell on earth, then that's not a good place to be. And like Belinda Carlisle, we need a little bit of heaven. Uh, heaven is a place on earth, but only if we make it so uh, and bring that in. And that's the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. We know he's the king of kings and he's the Lord of lords. And we know he rules and he reigns and we're meant to reign with him. We're meant to rule and reign with him as this new humanity that he has called us out of darkness and he has brought us into his marvellous light. He has made us a new creation. Old things have passed away. You're not your old sinful self. I don't care how you identify yourself. You need to identify yourself as ruling and reigning as the new humanity made in God's image, declaring his glory and his favour on the earth. They said the glory of the Lord will fill the earth just as the waters covers the sea. And I need that. we need that vision of what God's glory looks like. And it begins in us and through us. And we can bring a slice of heaven to earth. How about that? Good morning. I'll calm down a bit now. <laughs> At least I'll try. We've been talking, uh, we had a wonderful message from Pastor Constance last week, and that really challenged me, Constance, because our faith level needs to rise. Our faith level needs to rise. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm fed up of, of just accepting things as they are and saying, God, I need to pull on you and trust in you. And okay, we have to wait sometimes, but waiting doesn't mean the answer's no. And uh, God is working amongst us. And I tell you, if your faith is feeling a little bit low and feeling a little bit challenged, and maybe you've got good reason for your faith to be challenged because life has been not good. Come on, let's raise it up. I was challenged by that this week. Where is your faith? And Jesus would always ask his disciples that or say, you have little faith. Where is your faith? And uh, he says, it's not necessarily the amount of faith you have. It's where your faith is at. Where is your faith? Is your faith in Christ? Is your faith in God Almighty? Is your faith in Him? Anyway, uh, so we've been talking about that. I've been talking about Christ's work in the atonement. You remember I talked about the victory that Christ gives us, the victor, Christ the victor. And uh, that's one way of looking at what the cross did. It's Jesus in power, 
taking victory over the enemy. Another way we looked at is Christ as a sacrificial offering for our sin. And another way we looked at it is what freedom we have in Christ and how Christ has set us free. And um, this morning I want to emphasize what, emphasize what the cross did in terms of reconciling us and bringing us at peace with God. You don't find peace in your heart till you find peace with your creator. And a lot of people are looking for things and they're they're searching for something. But when they find their creator, when they find their creator, they find their purpose. You know, the two questions, uh, I remember doing biology in school and the biology teacher, doctor, whatever his name is, uh, was, um, was, you know, wouldn't allow us to question the two very most important questions is, is how we got here and why are we here? And uh, we had to go along with his doctrine and his beliefs. And uh, I kind of bucked against that and said, come on, no, the purpose, I'm here because I know my creator and, my, and I've been created for a purpose. And if we're without purpose, we're without direction. If we're out of direction, we are lost. And uh, I don't want to be lost I want to be found. And praise the Lord, I've been found. And you've been found too. We can rejoice in that, can't we? I want to emphasize what the cross did in restoring our relationship with God as intended. As intended there in the garden, um, what what, uh, male and female, he created them in his image and he gave them authority. And he said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, have dominion. And that dominion means, you know, taking care. It's not uh, this kind of toxic leadership that we see sometimes, uh, you know, do as I, I, I say, not as I do. This is the kind of leadership under God's authority that's bringing in God's kingdom. We're meant to rule and reign with him. And uh, we're, we're supposed to do that. We're supposed to engage with that. And of course, that was the created purpose. And now we are new creations. That purpose then becomes restored. And that's what I want to talk about uh, this morning, as intended, in the garden. And what ultimately wait, awaits us, the final call. And um, uh, we'll, we'll jump in there. So let's jump into uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 19. For in him, that's Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And God was pleased to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven. You say, well, actually, you know, I don't feel reconciled with God. Then what you're saying is that Jesus didn't do a good enough job, Uh, which is fairly insulting, I think. Um, But what he did by making peace through the blood of his cross. Um, Let's continue. And you were once estranged and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. You notice how Paul often uses the past tense, you were like this. Well, what does that mean? It means you're not like that now. You're not like that now. You were once hostile, estranged from God, doing evil deeds, but now he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through the death, to present you holy and blameless and irreproachable before him. Isn't that a lovely word? Irreproachable. Love that. Provided, he says, that you continue securely established and steadfast in faith without shifting from the hope promised by the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. The problem 
of humanity. That's point number one. What is the problem? The problem is that humanity rejected God. They chose their own path, allowing evil not only to invade their hearts, but evil to, to spread through the world that we live in. And of course, you read there in the beginning that both hatred and murder quickly followed as evil spread throughout the world. And we read in, throughout the history of God's people, you know, they, they tried and they failed and they tried and they failed and they began to worship other gods and then a, a, another king would rise up and change things. And, you know, there was leaders throughout the time, you read the time of judges and time of kings, that the leader would get hold of the people and say, come on, we get rid of these idols and we're going to worship God. And you've got people like Deborah in there. Deborah, you've got to read her story because she like took the nation, like, come on, we're serving God. And all, uh, time and time again, they seem to go in and out of this worshiping false gods and rejecting Yahweh and then returning to Yahweh. And of course, we know it ended in their, their exile, which the law and the prophets warned them. Rejecting God results in exile from the kingdom of God, from the land. And uh, some of them served God. It restored peace to the land for a while, while others rejected God and paid the consequences. And it almost felt like, you know, if today is a good day, I feel right with God. Today, the next, you know, I'm putting other things before God. And I think there's a warning for us today too. Because if we need to understand that we are new creations, that our old life has gone, and, and uh, what we are now in is something new, something fresh. And we're not to be going backwards and forwards all the time. That's what he says when shifting, shifting to and fro. He says, I want you to be steadfast in your faith. Not this constant shifting backwards and forwards from the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now God's people uh, were in dire straits, of course. Um, but in the fullness of time, God came and sent his son to suffer and die that through his blood, we might have peace with God, that we might be reconciled. And Christ opened the way, not just for the Jewish people of God, but all those who follow him, all those that believe in him, all those disciples um, that followed Christ, opened the way for the Gentile nations to come into the people of God and be grafted in through faith in Christ. So when we look at something like Romans, uh, the book of Romans that Paul is writing, he's writing to the church in Rome. It's a multicultural church. It's made up of uh, Jews and Greeks, and uh, the Jews had been exiled from Rome. Uh, historically, you can read this, and now they're coming back into, into Rome, and they're allowed back in. And of course, now there's all these Christians there, and then they're not Jews, they're not Greeks, they're following Christ. And then these Jews are kind of fitting in and saying, well, it's, it's like Judaism, but it's not. And they're trying to figure this all out. And Paul addressing this diversive, diverse group, diversive, that was Corinthians, wasn't it? Diversive. These diversive group from many nations and wants to establish that ethnicity doesn't count for anything when it comes to being right with God. The Jews were kind of thinking, listen, we have this history with God. You know, that puts us in better standing than, than these new people that have just come along and just started to believe in Christ. Now they want to tack on to us. So Paul has to deal with all of these things. And he says, only faith that counts when it, when it means that you're right with God. 
and you have peace with God. Not your knowledge of the law, not that you're physical descendants of Abraham. And Paul writes in Romans 3 that everyone is in that same condition pre-Christ, that none are righteous, no, not one. He says, what then? Are we Jews any better off? Not at all. He says, we've already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under the power of sin. There is none righteous, no, not one. There is none of any understanding. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned aside. They've become worthless. No one shows kindness, not even one. Their throats are like open graves, my word. Don't hold back, Paul. And their tongues to deceive. The venom of vipers is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Ruin and misery are in their paths and the way of peace they have not known. Oh, I could talk about our generation. Not you lot. You're perfect, of course. But we could talk about our generation. There's no one who fears God. No one has the fear of God in their eyes. There's no one... And we know that under the law, he says, and those under the law, um, so that every mouth may be silenced and the world may be held accountable to God. No human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law, for the law comes through, uh, through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And I don't know today if people have this knowledge of sin, that actually if you talk to a non-believer, and they think everything's all right because they're a good person. I was listening to a testimony and they said, well, before I came to Christ, I thought I was a great person. I start reading the Bible and I think, man, I've missed the mark here. And this revelation comes that they're a sinner, that they're far from God, that they're cut off from God. You know, and the idea of self-justification kind of just goes out the window. You know, if I'm a good person, I'll go to heaven. If I'm a good person, God will accept me. And you start reading the Bible, it says, well, actually, no, no one's righteous. No, not one. Because the problem was that evil had infected those first humans. It spread throughout humanity. Death quickly followed. This was not something that was in God's plan. He wanted us to live forever with him, that eternity. That's why the tree of life was in there. And of course, once they'd eaten from the tree of knowledge and good and evil, which is knowledge that I know better, he had to reject them from the garden. Least they eat of the tree of life and live forever. God didn't want us to live forever in our sin. He wanted to provide a way, and he does that, and he speaks to the serpent, he speaks to the man, speaks to the woman, um, those in the Garden of Eden, those first humans. And the mercy he shows them is actually removing them until we can deal with the sin. Until we can deal with the sin and sin's consequences, death, till we can deal with that, there is no return to Eden. There is no place um, where God's kingdom can be established on earth and God's people can finally exercise the dominion in line with the authority of God and reign as kings and priests. God had to deal with evil. But to do that, you know, one option was just to wipe out all the humans. Because if the evil is not just around us, the evil or the potential for evil is within each and every one of us. So what does God do to deal? The solution he had in mind, Paul identifies this in Romans 5. Humanity was incapable. He put some laws in place, but because they were weak in their flesh, they couldn't keep the law. So God made a way becoming a human being, taking on the sin of the world upon himself. And of course, sin 
was upon him, and that consequence was death, but death couldn't hold him. So not only does Christ defeat sin, he defeats death on the cross, which is proved by the resurrection. Romans 5, we'll pick it up, verse 1. It says, since we are justified, or we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to the grace that which we stand. We want grace from God. We have to acknowledge what Christ has done. We can boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. God proves his love for us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. If while we were enemies, God reconciled us to God through the death of his son, how much more will be uh, surely having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. We acknowledge the death of Christ that we may live in the resurrection. And it's through the resurrection that we know that death has no hold on us either. And then what do we do? We remain steadfast in the hope of this message, this gospel. And we can enter into the promises of God. And once again, we can live at peace with God. And moreover, we can come into a place of authority and dominion in life and fulfill the call of God on our lives to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth to look after God's creation, to be the people of God, called the church. We can be flourishing human beings under God's rule, which brings me to my final point, the church. Having been made irreproachable, there's that word again, irreproachable before him, having been charged to live a life of steadfast faith, the call comes to God's people to exercise the dominion and authority throughout the earth and bring God's kingdom. We want to extend God's kingdom in, just not in our own lives. The gospel is never just for us, it's for everyone around us. And the people of God, as they begin to flourish, they begin to shine with the lights that Jesus talked about and become that light of the world. He says, you are light of the world, a city not to be hidden. And that light is supposed to be bright, so it fills all the darkness. You know, I, I, growing up, you know, we would think, oh, we need to fight the darkness, fight the darkness, fight the darkness. Well, actually, we just need to turn the light up. And maybe in a, in, in the, in a room full of lights, you don't feel like your light is shining so bright. Well, go somewhere dark. And you don't have to go far to find someone that is trapped in darkness. And let your light shine. Let your light shine. And you'll be encouraged. I tell you, the biggest encouragement you can do as a Christian is begin to, to share your faith. To begin to share the hope, the reason for your hope. And say, well, everyone around me at work, they're all depressed, they're all anxious. You know, and you go in and you're happy and you're smiling and you have this fulfillment about you. And someone says, why do you have so much hope? And you say, let me tell you about the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Let me tell you about the God of glory that shines in my light and he can shine in your life too. Come on, let's get some glory going here. And all of a sudden, when you're, you may be feeling like 
you've got this little candle light, so all of a sudden you've got this 20,000 lumen beam coming out of you. And you can bring some heaven to earth. You can bring some light into some dark places, into some hellish places. You can bring heaven. But there's this calling, isn't there, to remain steadfast. You know, if you got two things out of today, it's irreproachable and steadfast. Because steadfast in faith is the way that we hold on, that we're not double-minded, we're not unsure in who we are in Christ. We're not unsure of the future that we have. And Paul says we're bringing the gospel to every creature, every nation. And, and Paul, as he goes through these different places, you know, he's able to adapt and he's able to talk to and relate to people. And someone said to me, well, it seems like Paul compromises. You know, and, it, and it's not compromise from the message of the gospel it's getting into the understanding of his culture that he's trying to reach. And I think that can be a danger for us today is not understanding the culture we're trying to reach. And Paul does this and once he claimed to be Roman, uh, next he claimed to be Jewish. And um, for the purpose of being all things to all people, but he would never back down or compromise on the gospel. He remains steadfast in faith. And I'm closing. But as these flourishing human beings, what does that look like? What does it look like to know inside that we, are, we have peace with God? What does it look like to be reconciled? Well, I think sometimes we have to address the way we speak to ourselves, the way we see ourselves. And this can vary, can't it? You can look in the mirror and you can see one thing about yourself and become fixated on that thing. And then you can go around all day thinking that. Or you can look at yourself in the light of God's word and say, no, he's, he's made me blameless. I'm justified. I have reconciliation with God. God's no longer cross with me. Um, I haven't got the wrath of God. And see, begin to see ourselves in the light of the resurrection, talking about ourselves as God made us, blameless, irreproachable. And anything less than reconciled with God, if we believe we are anything less than reconciled with God, what we're saying is what Christ did, what his blood was shed, was not enough. That might work for you, Pastor Giles, because, you know, whatever, you've got a nice jacket on today. But um, you don't know me. You don't know the depth of my sin. You don't know the things that are hidden in my heart. I tell you, God does. And he loves you. But he loves you too much to leave you the way you are. He wants to transform you and change you in, into his glorious image. And as we look into his, his image, we see him as he is and it reflects on who we are. So maybe we need a revelation of what Christ did. Because if we think we're still dead in our sin and trespasses, what we're saying is, God, what you did in Christ wasn't enough. Or Christ died in vain, God forbid. Because that blood doesn't reach to the depth of my sin. In our pride, that sounds like pride, doesn't it? God can do it for everyone else, but he can't do it for me. But flourishing human beings stop claiming sin as their identity. Stop claiming your addiction as who you are. 
You're not your old sinful selves cut off from Christ. You are made right with God, acceptable in His presence. We are children of the living God, unique. And modern culture will tell you this, this idea that you're part of your group identity. That's a terrible way to categorize humans. We are made in God's image. Whatever race we are, whatever status we have, whatever gender we are, we need to stop making up pronouns and say, no, I'm a child of the living God. I'm the Lord, I'm, I belong to Him. That's who I am. We're a child of the King, unique and chosen, redeemed from our old life, renewed to flourish, to change and to grow and to be sanctified by His blood, chosen to be part of something amazing. As we stay faithful, remain obedient to the call, the darkness has no longer a power over us. We are children of the light. And we can bring the light of the glory of the knowledge of God into every dark place. For we are children of the light, born to rule and reign in life, to have dominion as the new, uh, new humanity. That's the new creation. Come on, people. Believe this. We're called to rule and reign. I, I, I'm closing with Romans 5, verse 17. And he says, it was one man's sin, his trespass, that death exercised dominion through that one. Much more, surely those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. That dominion, that means to rule and to reign. And maybe you're feeling life is ruling over you. Well, actually, you're supposed to be the head and the tail. You're supposed to be above and not beneath. You're, you're called to reign. It's time to, time to rule and reign. Time to exercise your authority. Who's with me? Come on. One thing that comes with authority is that responsibility. The buck stops. You know, if you're a football manager and your team loses, it's not the player's fault, it's the coach's fault, isn't it? The buck stops, the authority stops, he takes responsibility. And we're to take responsibility, not just for ourselves, but for those around us, for the generation, for the culture around us that we see going to hell. And we say, no, I'm going to put stop to this. I'm going to bring some heaven to earth. I'm going to start ruling and reigning. Exercise that authority in your own life. James, I, I'm, oh. I am good. James says you've got to rule your tongue. And for some of us, that's, that's a problem. We don't know how to exercise authority over what comes out of our mouth. And maybe that negative talk and that destructive talk is just not about yourself and you find that vileness coming out. What does he say? The venom that comes out. That shouldn't be coming out of your heart because your heart has been cleaned and transformed and changed. So what comes out, the abundance of your mouth is your heart. And say, I need to start ruling in my own life, taking responsibility for what I say. And then you begin to take responsibility for how you think and how you talk. And then that overflows into how you act. I'm going to close. Let's just pray. Shall we do that? 
Do you know God was pleased? The fullness of God was, was dwelling in Christ and God was pleased to reconcile everything, all things to himself on earth and in heaven, making peace, reconciliation to those who were once past tense estranged. Estranged means to be cut off. You're not cut off anymore. And you're not hostile in your mind. You're not doing evil deeds because He has reconciled you so He can present you faultless, blameless and irreproachable for Him. So let us continue steadfast in faith, unmoving, unshakable, not shifting from the hope that we have in the gospel. And this gospel then gets preached to every creature under heaven. Amen. Amen.